I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. Hey, everybody. What's up? Welcome back to Resource Real Talk about Louisville Real Estate. I'm Gabe Pruitt. And I guess I'm Jay Pitts. Am I on the camera? Hello. Yeah, we're here. We got it. I just Man, had a season lot. three has been a doozy so far. I just had a lot of fun watching um, the outtake from last week's live episode. In the group, yeah. In the group where we clearly did not know what was happening, what was going on. Yeah, I think next week we will. Uh, I think we'll just go ahead and bend this, and we'll start season four next week. Just get fresh. <laughs> so today we just got out of a tactical training session with our team. Right, this is in the spirit of season three, and what we were talking about towards the end of season two. This is the tac- not only the tactical, but also the hyper local focused season of resource. And in that spirit, we were talking about something that affects a lot of agents here in the Louisville market, which is some changes to the board contract that all of us use uh, as of January 1, 2020, right? So we've been talking to our agents, making sure they're prepared and understand what they're reading so that they can effectively communicate it to their clients. But wherever there's change, there's also controversy, right? So we wanted to take a little bit of time today to break down some of the changes, some of the things that are popular, some of the things that are not very popular, uh, and maybe uh, maybe hypothesize what other changes might be around the corner as they fine-tune this. Yeah, no, I, anytime there is change, there is much uh, much to do about usually nothing. I mean, like, yeah. like, are we really going to change the way that we operate? I don't know. I, I mean, I think to a certain extent, there will be some changes. Marcy, will you grab me my notes sitting over there, right there on top of those books? Hand them to me so that I am prepared to discuss. Oh, perfect. Of course, I left Source them across material. the room. Source material is is required, um, but yeah, I, we've we've got a new contract. We've got new reg changes. We got a bunch of new inspection stuff that we ha- we're, we're hearing about. So, what does all that mean? Yeah, I mean, it means that a you need to pay attention to it. <laughs> B you need to set proper expectations, like we always discuss here on Resource. Um, the the key to conflict communication is expectation setting, right up front prior to ex. Uh, expectations uh, coming to fruition. So we talked about today on a side note, the concept of pre-framing and future pacing, which are sales tactics, which essentially, you know, speak to expectation setting. It speaks to uh, handling an objection with a client in a sales environment prior to the, the, um, particular challenge being, you know, being raised. Foreseeing a challenge. Yeah, foreseeing uh, a challenge or an objection in a sales situation. And then setting the stage in a favorable way for you. Exactly. So, for example, there's some implications with respect to chimney inspections and termite inspections. Future pace. You know, pre-frame those issues with your sellers when you sit down prior to taking a listing so that they know, okay, what to expect when it arises, if it arises. And you're going to be that much ahead of the game, ahead of that agent that doesn't do those things. Okay, so th- th- there's some other things. You know, the, the another another concept that we have to understand as a reality of 
law, legal, you know, different, um, you know, standards of practice and that kind of thing is that there are always unintended consequences. Yeah. The, 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 the root of these issues, Gabe, is the fact that our industry has moved in a direction where, um, they've played fast and loose with certain laws and regs. Okay. And the consequence is regulators, i.e. state government or the national, you know, state and local association of realtors. Right. Wondering if the consumer's best interests are being served and enacting regulation statute or policy based on their fear that the consumer is being deceived. Okay. So everything, advertising changes, everything, disclosure issues, it's all rooted in worrying about the consumer. Yeah. Okay. They and, and they wouldn't have to worry about the consumer if our industry didn't play fast and loose with respect to these topics. Well, and speaking of that too, it's important to get down to, I think different conversations are happening in different offices around the city this week about these regulation changes. Right. And a lot of it is... You know, you're going to hear talk that a lot of this stuff is really minutia that you don't need to concern yourself with. Some people maybe aren't really thinking about the implications of these uh, chimney inspection changes and termite things. The last thing you want, though, is to be in a situation with a seller where one of these things ends up causing a problem, and then you have to tell them, oh, I didn't know. Because your your sellers and your buyers, they don't care or know or care to know that this just changed in January. To them, you should be an expert who knows the contract. And if you don't know it, it's like you never took the time to learn. So you can't just say, hey, it just came out a month ago. I haven't had a chance to sit down. They're like, in a month for this contract that affects me? You haven't had a chance to look over it? So it's very important, even when you think this doesn't apply to you, to understand. And obviously, it gives you an advantage, too. If you can, like you said, future pace and listing appointments say, hey, a lot of agents in town aren't going to point this out to you. But this is a big change that just happened a month ago. And I know that the chances are slim, but this could affect you. And then when Agent 2 and Agent 3 come and interview and they glaze right over it, you have sellers going, wow, he knew that and they didn't. So. Well, you're future pacing the problem. You, I, well, I tell, what I tell the agents in that meeting, I said, you know, you're, you're basically, you're, you're setting a landmine for the next agent to step it's on. It's a perfect analogy. Okay. Like when you come in and you, you talk about regulatory changes, that, and the, the expectation is that you are the professional you are the one that has their finger on the pulse of what is happening in this industry, not the consumer because they read, you know, Yahoo finance. Yeah. Right. Like you're the, you're the expert. And when you know that the, the education level and the, the level of expertise bar is set really low in residential real estate and you go before a client and you talk about this, just like Gabe says, this happens. Then they ask the next guy and it is like, all over their face, the level of surprise. Because truth is, I talked to a really good agent not that long ago, and they were surprised to know that we've already had two classes. I've had a small group meeting with some of our most productive agents in the brokerage about these implications. That's what you get here. And, and this is not a commercial for our brokerage. But the truth is, is if your broker's not giving you this, you need to demand it. Sure. They need to understand. They need to bring in professionals. They need to have an opinion themselves because... Let's, let's be frank, Gabe, and I'll make this as public as anybody wants to debate me on. There's some of this stuff that I don't plan to comply with. I think it speaks to the root. I think a lot of it is not, I mean, and I don't mean the regs or sure. the statutes. You've got to follow the law. Yeah. Okay. But the, the a lot of this is in some the, of its recommendations. A lot of this is in the spirit. Okay. And there's unintended consequence that the, you know, the lawmakers have not considered the leadership at our local board has not considered. You know, there's there's some some verbiage in here about how 
because they're trying to eliminate uh, the gray area on binding electronic signatures, we have now adopted um, a, a, a standard that basically means that anything communicated electronically with a name attached to it. Okay. Tell me, explain to me how you can communicate electronically without your name attached to it, and I'll. Uh, it's uh, given, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll 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 ponder that, but. Anything with a name attached, the name is is construed as the signature and can be argued as binding. That seems interpreted really to binding. me, but I'm not a so, lawyer. So, so. there's a 63 word um, disclaimer disclaimer that is to be used within email communication. It's very easy in terms of execution on email. We have one. I mean, seriously, Gabe, I could pull it up right now. It's a lot longer than 63 words. We have a disclaimer already in our. In our email signatures. And the purpose of it is, is to do what, right? It's to purpo- indemnify us from... Yes, to indemnify us and make a blanket statement uh, about None the of these that- electronic conversations are meant to be binding. No, no, no. It's not... We, we don't address that. We oh, don't okay. address that yet. Okay. We're going to address that. That is an, a, a change that we're adopting. But we don't ask for wiring instructions. We don't right. ask you to transmit non-public information via email. Yeah. Like, there's some disclaimers in our email communication already, right? We don't ever ask you to wire us money. Over email, that's not going to happen. There's too much opportunity for fraud in that circumstance. Right. But this is this verbiage is going to be added. But the recommendation is to add it to your text messages too. So does that mean every text? I mean, you tell me at the beginning of a conversation. Gabe, or? who is your potential client? Uh, just about anybody. Okay, who would you potentially text? Um, just about anybody. Anybody. <laughs> so. Are you potentially communicating with a client anytime you send a text message? Does it count if I'm potentially communicating with a potential client? Yes. So it does count. So basically, what this is saying is you should disclaim every single text message. Basically, whenever you talk to someone. Yeah, your mother. Yeah. So it was a joke in our company internet. One of our agents, like, actually, actually, uh, you know, posited that he would include this disclaimer in communication with his mother about Sunday dinner, and I thought that was hilarious. And I may or may not have texted my mother with the same disclaimer. <laughs> I've done the same. Um, it said something about not being held to previously agreed upon, you know, dinner plans or something funny like that. But the truth is, like, that in its execution is ridiculous. And I will be the first one to say that I will not require my agents of that. So what's the alternative? Because I agree, that's super clunky. I don't think an F. Well, the alternative, the alternative is to the fear, Gabe, is that you would bind inadvertently bind your client to a contract. So for example, you're, you're the, you're the seller's agent. Okay. Okay. And you send me a counter offer after I've presented you an offer on your listing. Um, I get your, your, your text, um, saying I just sent you a counter Yep. and I, I first chance I get, I'm in between showings. I jam over to my email on my smartphone and I look at the counter I fire you a text back, say, got, got your counter, I'll call my seller, or I'll call my buyer. Okay. Call my buyer, talk to my buyer, you know, um, present the counter offer. They say, we'll take it. No problem. I've got another appointment. When I get back to the office, I'll send you the form to we'll sign up. via yep. electronic signature program of du jour. Okay. <laughs> okay. And before I do that, I fire a text back off to you, Gabe, and say, talk to them. They're going to accept. They'll take it. Yeah. Or they're going to accept. Yeah. Be, they're be going to, the words accept are more troublesome, but it could, the way this is written, it could even say they're going to take it. 
So how much of this ends up boiling down to semantics, right? Could you argue a lot that you said uh, they are going to, and since it's future tense, then you're not... They, they haven't yet. They haven't yet. Or they'll take it. Well, that, that kind of sounds like they'll they... They'll take it. They're going to accept. They've accepted. They will accept. There's a lot of semantics involved. Right. The point is, the answer in the affirmative with respect to an offer-counter-offer situation could inadvertently bind... <coughs> your client to something. Now, the 63-word disclaimer says we will never bind our clients to an offer or counteroffer or contract via electronic messaging. Okay, yeah. That's what it'll say. So, I mean, the truth is, is like, how how do you coach that? How do you teach your agents not to make those mistakes? Well, here's what I told them. I said, your text messages should never, ever include the words accept or reject. Yeah. Never. I think that's pretty unilateral. Just be careful with your text and do, if you're going to have conversations like that, which say like the exact acceptance deadline is three and it's one and you got to run to one more thing before you send them signatures. Instead of texting Jay and saying, hey, I'm going to be cutting it close, but they're going to accept. Just be on the lookout for my email. Why don't you call and say, hey, I'm running into one more appointment and I'm going to send it to them. They're going to accept and be looking for an email. Just do it on the phone. Yeah. I mean, you know, it would... I think that argument could be made that that's binding as well, but like it's it, never it's never going to be presented in writing to someone yeah. to argue. And here's here's the other point that I make, which I'm not going to in the off chance that this ever happens, I'm not going to require this of my agents. But let's say this, I mean, it's never going to it's it's very unlikely to be enforced, Gabe, but it will be used for leverage. Sure. Okay, so what do I mean by that? I mean that when your client that says, we'll take it, gets cold feet, doesn't sign the counter after you've already told the agent they'll take it, okay, and then they decide to exert pressure over you, essentially putting you at odds with your own client because you have now potentially bound them to a house that they don't want to buy. Okay. So that agent just has leverage. They don't like what has happened. They don't like the fact that they got their client excited for nothing because you told them something that your client's not going to follow through on. It's only ever going to be used probably for leverage. And that never works out well for you. Correct. So if you wanted to make yourself safe in every situation, just in case, and I know we could do hypotheticals all day on this, but what if you sent one blanket email at the beginning of each transaction and said, hey, all future electronic communications until at such a time that I tell you that it's no longer the case do not constitute any you know, binding agreements on behalf of my client. And this includes email, text, all How are you going to do that? I don't How know. I mean, it's, it's just as good as any other written disclaimer, so you're right? So dis- you're disclaiming to another agent... That all future communications electronically are not binding agreements unless otherwise stated in writing. Could you do that? And that way you don't send it in every text or send it every time you think of it or have to send it every day. You could, if you if it was brought in court, could you say, "Hey, look, on you know January thirteenth, two thousand twenty, I sent this email. It was received, and it says that none of these communications probably helps." Okay, I mean, it's like you said, it's there's so many possibilities. The best thing to do instead of pontificating about like what specific verbiage you need is just teach your agents. There's no one there. There's the care the Kentucky Real Estate Commission, the Greater Louisville Association of Realtors. Nobody's ever going to come out with a guidebook on what works and what doesn't. The truth is, is that even our, even our, um, you know, disclaimer 
still may not protect you. Yeah, I mean, it's just something you attach to an email. Like, who, who ends up presiding over that dis, that that <coughs> dispute if you ever if you ever get to a dispute? It's a judge. What if the judge thinks that your disclaimer is unlawful? Then you're host. You can't yeah, go back. You're absolutely host. So, so good we, luck. Good luck with that. Yeah. Good luck with that. So never use the word accept or reject unless you have an ex- attached acceptance or rejection signed by your client. Yeah, that's a good place to start. That's a, that's a phenomenal. And talk to your broker about what, what you're doing at the broker's place. level next. You know, that's the problem, though. A lot of brokers don't know how to do, don't, don't know what to do. And that goes back to what we were saying. Just even knowing that these changes exist is like new ammunition in your arsenal. I mean, there's a, big, there's, there's, a big, there's a big discussion about, you know, Article 31 of the contract. I believe it's Article 31. <laughs> Forgive me, it's new. I'm going to thumb through and find it right now. Article 31 is the survival, survival clause. Right. Basically just back referencing several items of the contract that now survive the closing date. Well, we had an agent the other day, a really experienced agent, tell us that they thought that this meant that the seller had to warrant the condition of the property for 12 months beyond because the survival clause lasts 12 months. So that, you know, essentially that the way they interpreted that was that the items disclosed on the seller's disclosure had to remain true for 12 months. I don't see how that's possible. Beyond the, the seller's ownership. It's not possible. Yeah, you're no longer the seller. The point is, and then and then they basically said they weren't going to accept our offer unless we struck the survival clause. Well, it just so happens that it was one of our agents trying to buy the property and he really liked the house and really wanted it and thought it was a good deal. And so he did it. Because he's not really worried about the survival clause, and he's yeah. not really worried about the other terms surviving the closing. And you know, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, before this contract was out, there wouldn't have been a survival clause, and several of the items didn't survive the closing, and he didn't care. It's he knows it more the prior way than he does this way. True. So he went ahead and bought the house, but you know, the average consumer is not. So I think the I think the lesson for today, more than anything, is to. Agents hold your brokers accountable to giving you the information that you need when these types of changes happen. Get get out in front of them, okay? Understand what it takes to remain relevant in today's market and what can you and also what you can do to create a competitive advantage for yourself because you know these things. Yeah. Seriously, just knowing them is a competitive advantage. It is just knowing about them. It, like I'm telling it, you, a surface level knowledge of these gives you one more thing in a listing appointment that you can spout that will make you look more educated. Now it's important to get deeper than surface level eventually, but like there there are tools that you can use at your disposal right now just because there are changes. Well, yeah, I mean, okay, so let's talk a little bit a little bit more about what precipitates these changes. So, what specifically has our industry done to play fast and loose? Yeah, okay. where, where are those spots at? Where are the spots? Well, I'll tell you where the spots are. The spots are teams acting like brokerages. Okay. Uh, agents not identifying who they work for. Specifically in advertisements. Specifically too. in advertising. The majority of the reg changes are in advertising. And yep. most of them reference compliant versus non-compliant advertising. Specifically rooting in the agent portraying themselves in advertising as more important than the brokerage. Okay. Whether that be a team, whether that be an individual agent, the downplay of the brokerage identity and the playing up of the agent identity mm. in advertising. Or the team even. Or the team even. Team, team or agent. Either one. Synonymous in this case. Okay. Um, 
the fact that teams are not a thing. Let me say why teams are not a thing. Okay. You can go nowhere in the governing body of residential real estate transaction and find the fact that a team exists. There is no registration. It's just it's like a structure within your brokerage, and that's all it matters to, really. Yeah, and so whatever the broker puts forth as requirements of the team is the only requirement. Yeah. The state regulatory agency does not require any sort of registration, identification. There's no uh, team leader's license that you have to There's no team for. leader's license. There's no requirement to have so many years of experience or so many transactions of experience or additional education or nothing. Yeah, you can anoint yourself a team leader you can today anoint, if you want. You can be a team of one. Yeah. I am the one, two, three team of one. The one, one, one team. I'm the one, one, one team. Yeah. No, and that's the thing, Gabe. You know, there are so many brokerage houses, big brands, small brokers alike, that are taking advantage. And this goes back to like all the way to season one, okay, where we, where we talked about is yesterday's brokerage broken. Find that episode if you haven't listened yeah. to us for long. The model has changed. You know, cloud-based brokerage, big tech, no brick and mortar, like internet brokerage, W2 agent. With an emphasis on building your own team or individual identity. I mean, I love teams. I'm a fan of teams. Sure. Everybody knows that. If you've listened to the show, you know that I'm a fan of teams. The problem is, is the majority of teams are really bad. Mm. The majority of team leaders are unqualified. The majority of advertising is non-compliant. The majority of brokers are absentee. Okay, training and education is non-existent in our industry as a whole, and all of this hurts the consumer. And so that's why the crackdown's happening. So that's why the, the pendulum is swinging. Yeah. Okay, so contrary to what you may hear that regulation of small business is dead, okay, in real estate is very much alive and well. Right. It has been dead, and it has been, it has been on been the revived. table with the, with the, what are these things? Uh, defibrillators. Defibrillators. <laughs> Clear. Clear. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we just did. Yeah. Okay, and... You know, it's going to prohibit the Sunshine Team. If you're watching on Facebook, um, the Sunshine Team, as I make a really large Arc. hand gesture yeah. with uh, for the Sunshine Team's logo, and one, two, three, real estate. At yeah, the at the bottom, maybe, or like you do the trick on your Instagram Instagram story where you make it small enough where you can slide it out of the story, but it's still actually there. <laughs> anyway. That that's not supposed to happen anymore. Right. The name of the broker is supposed to be featured as prominently as the name of the agent or team. Okay. And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to get their hands slapped over that. A lot. Yeah. So um, there's some other things, you know, like now video. I actually, you know, this podcast is relevant. Yep. Jay Pitts with Remax Premier Properties. If this is an advertisement, which well, it's in the not, video too, when your name shows up, it says Remax Premier Properties underneath. Yeah, exactly. So if you're watching us on Facebook, but this is not an advertisement to consumers. This is this That's is true. this is a show aimed at real estate professionals. So you could make an argument this is an advertisement for brokerage services, but this is not an advertisement for real estate services. Right. Okay. So. My point is, is if this were, I'm saying I'm with Remax Premier Properties. It would be good enough for me as the principal broker just to say my own name. Okay. Because they can go on the website at Kentucky Real Estate Commission and find Jay Pitts, the broker of Remax Premier Properties. Very yeah, so easily. covered. Okay. But Gabe Pruitt uh, offering as a licensed real estate professional real estate services without naming Remax Premier Properties on an audio recording. Mm-hmm. 
is non-compliant. Well, let's talk about where this happens even more prevalently. Think about your personal, or not your personal, excuse me, your professional Facebook page. What's the title of your Facebook page? Yeah. I know a lot of agents that are just, you know, John Smith Realtor yeah. or John Smith Realty Services, but nothing about the brokerage that they work yeah. at. It might be on the page somewhere, but it's not in the name. Well, to, to be more specific, every individual page or post must be compliant. Every so, one. So, so anywhere your name can be visible and construed as an advertisement, the brokerage name must accompany it and must be of equal prominence. Okay, so let's go back. Uh, this is a different one, Gabe. So uh, before, you, okay. before we go in your direction, and, and we're, we're going to wrap up soon um, because I know this has been a pretty heady episode, but I want to make a couple of points. Something that's very new and actually quite progressive is on audio recordings, you must name the brokerage if it's an advertisement. Okay. Okay, because you don't have the ability to read it anywhere on an audio. Sure. Okay, so it must be Gabe Pruitt with Remax Premier Properties. On a video, it must be either presented in audio, Gabe Pruitt with Remax Premier Properties spoken word, yep. or it must be visible on the screen... Gabe Pruitt, Remax Premier Properties. Does that mean within the video, or can within it be when you the post video, it on Facebook? Overlaid. Well, the, 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 we're, we're going to go down the rabbit hole a little further. Okay. Because it must be in the video, but it must also be on the post. Okay, so both. So it has to be both. Okay, because there is probably, even with a pre-roll, there's a moment in that video where it's not present. <coughs> okay. Yeah. But uh, where, where if you, to keep every page and every post compliant, it must be in the post as well. Here's what I recommend, and this is a pro tip. My clients or my my agents here at Remax Premier Properties know this. Use the check-in feature, the location check-in feature. It is always visible. It's at the top on every post, and it's at the very top. Use that. Don't tag the company account. Okay, check in at. If your company does not have a Google address registered, talk to your broker today and make them do that. That's what is going to make it show up on all social channels. So Remax Premier Properties is there, and all you have to do is check in at. So, so I saw Tony Stanrod watching. Tony Stanrod is at Remax Premier Properties, and then advertisement. Yeah, and then you're shred. If you click the post, it will display in a different format. Tony Stanrod is at Remax Premier Properties. Yeah. Okay, you will be compliant. The biggest one that I see as an issue that has grown in prominence is Instagram Stories. That's a big challenge, so you need to be careful there. But you can do the same thing there. You can drag and drop an, uh, a check-in, yep. location check-in, and it will show Remax Premier Properties or your your brokerage on the screen. Okay? And you made a good point today. It's better than tagging your brokerage because if you've got an Instagram name like ours is Homes502, that's exactly. not our brokerage's that's name. That's not our brokerage name, and that would be non-compliant. Yeah. So um, pretty progressive <laughs> is that it must be said. It's really funny that we, we flushed out – the fact that now our local board of realtors requirement of not advertising branded video through the MLS is now non-compliant as it pertains to the Kentucky real estate commission's regs. So how do you, so you just don't, that's yeah, the answer. I mean, don't put a, don't put a video on the MLS agents, whatever you do. I don't think very many people do it anymore because nobody sees it. I mean, put it on social. Yeah. Put it on your social, put it on Zillow by yourself, put it on realtor.com by yourself with an upload and you can use branded stuff for there. You just can't send it through the MLS because okay. other agents have drip campaigns and such tied to that. I see. So okay. anyway, neither in or there. Um, Going back to your personal Facebook page, I think it's okay. Somebody tell me if I'm wrong. I think it's probably okay to not have your brokerage name in your page title. Okay. So long as you are listed as 
um, member agent uh, as the as your employer being <coughs> Remax Premier Properties. As that long makes as sense. it's in your posts, yeah. Okay, as long as it's in all of your content. So that that that's my that's my thought. But you're right. I mean, social media posts. I was telling them today. I see more. I follow a lot of realtors. I'm friends with a lot of realtors, a lot of well-meaning people, and they never get punished for this stuff because they're well-meaning people that are not trying to deceive the public. They're not ne'er-do-wells, right? Right. They're doing a good job. It's very clear to the public that they're selling something. Nobody's being deceived by their posts, which is why they never get they never get punished. But it's like the equivalent of pulling somebody over for speeding one mile an hour over the limit. The cops sure. don't have time for that. Okay, where you're going to see problems is when your fellow agents start reporting you because let me tell you, we're a petty group. Okay, that report button is too easy to click. Okay, and anonymous emails and all that, I mean, it is what it is. It's so much easier to just be knowledgeable and avoid putting yourself in these situations in the first place. That way you don't ever have to claim ignorance, you know, to get yourself out of a tough spot. No one wants to claim ignorance, so why don't you just know and avoid? Well, (laughs) that's... That's very clear. Ignorance is not the best policy in this case. No. Ignorance is better than willful disobedience, but... Um, it's like, I'm sorry, client, that this is this is making a... You know, I had to get rid of all the ads I made for your house, but listen, I was just ignorant, so... Yeah. Don't worry. I don't think that goes over too well. Yeah. All right. So, with that, it's, it's the season of change. That's for sure. It's early in the year, okay? This is where you're... You, you have time. You have a couple of months, okay? As you can tell, it's cold and flu season here with Gabe's sniffles. Sorry, guys. Um, I'll try to edit so this out. So sniffles and time to change your marketing efforts coincide. Yes. Cold and flu season is the time to change. <laughs> Sorry. I'm thinking of titles now. Brutal, <laughs> brutal connection. Yeah. I tried really hard, guys. Anyway, um, yeah, no, you got time. You got time before you get crazy busy. Okay, I, I hope for you that you've got 15 pendings already, but you, chances are, you know, you're not as busy today as you're still you will warming be, up as you will be in June. So let's get this stuff right so we can turn the page, not think about it, and go sell some real estate. There really, I mean, because if, if you're watching the show, listening to it on iTunes, uh, watching it on Facebook as a member of our group, you know, there's a good chance that I've met you, that I care about you, that I hope your business, you know, I, I want nothing but the best for you. So let's do this. Learn the stuff. If you don't have an avenue at your brokerage to learn about this stuff, feel free to reach out to me. Send me a direct direct message. Talk to me. You probably got my cell number. Text me. I'm always happy to give you my opinion on this stuff. Take it or leave it. Yep. But the point is you need to be prepared so you don't get yourself in trouble. Exactly. And if for no other reason than that you have a leg up on your competition, I mean, it's worth knowing. Absolutely. It's also the season of compete of, of listing competition. Ooh. So set those landmines. There you go. Absolutely. Well, that's all we've got for today. Of course, we're going to be back next week. We're in the group every Wednesday. If you're not in the group, make sure to reach out to myself or Jay to figure out how to get invited. You can't search for it. You have to be invited. So make sure you reach out if you'd like to be watching these episodes live. But of course, if you're listening right now on iTunes or wherever you consume this, make sure to leave us a rating. We really appreciate that. It helps us be more visible to agents in this market. And if but, you don't like it, keep your opinion to yourself. That's right. If, if, you, if you think it's like four stars, just tell us. Just, just text t- us. Just let us know. Yeah. I mean, to let us know what we can do to you make it. You don't have it, to post that. To make it five stars. And also, I, I might ask a shameless, shameless um, request. If you've left us a review already, iTunes lets you leave more than one. 
Oh, um, not sure if you're aware of this, but you can, you can review the same podcast more than one time. So, uh, if you're feeling generous and you'd like to, you'd like to review season two and three. Oh, that's right. Because they're broken by seasons. Yeah. Feel, feel free to write us a review on, on, uh, on iTunes. Like I said, it makes us more visible, makes us easier, makes it easier for us to get our content to the people we want to hear it. Absolutely. Well, that's all we got for today. We'll see you guys next week on resource, real talk about Louisville real estate. I'm Gabe Pruitt. I'm Jay Pitts. See you guys next time.